This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. This is a Business Radio special presentation of Dollars and Change from Philadelphia at the annual CEO Connection Convention, geared exclusively to the issues pertinent to mid-market business leaders. Here are your hosts, Cheryl Kuhlman and Sandy Hunt. Welcome back. This is Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111. I'm Cheryl Coolman. And I'm Sandy Hunt. And we're here with Terry D. Andrews, who's the National Public Relations Director of RSM. So, Terry, tell us what RSM is and what you do. Certainly. So, RSM is an audit, tax, and business consulting firm. We have about 9,000 employees and 90 offices across the country. We are also a member of RSM International. So through our membership there, we have access to hundreds of thousands of professionals in about 120 countries around the world. So we uh, specialize in serving middle market businesses and providing the local touch, but with access to expertise across the globe. Excellent. So, you know, maybe an unlikely conversation start for when you're thinking about social impact and, okay, tax services. So tell us, you know, what does social impact look like and mean for RSM? Certainly. Well, stewardship has been one of our core values since our firm was founded in 1926. Um, And we have taken that very seriously. Our employees are very engaged in the communities where they live and work across the country. Um, In 2014, we actually started the RSM U.S. Foundation, and that has become a very large giving platform for our firm. We actually focus on a couple of things through the foundation. Primarily, uh, it's dedicated to building tomorrow's business leaders, particularly those who may be in the middle market. And we do that by helping enhance educational outcomes through programs for individuals to help them have career paths uh, so that they can indeed become uh, entrepreneurs or middle market leaders. And also, we do that by supporting organizations committed to providing stable environments for children, specifically in the areas of housing, hunger, um, and health. So it's all about helping children excel in their education so that they can become tomorrow's leaders. Interesting. And and how, how did that become the focus? Has it tightened over the years, or, or how do you get that as a strategic focus? And I ask in part because a lot of the people we've been talking about with the kind of social impact would point out it has to be integrated, it has to be authentic, it has to feel like it's something that is really a part of the, the business and the culture. Certainly. Uh, it is indeed a part of our culture. It has evolved over time. Uh, it started out somewhat organically, mm-hmm. and uh, our employees just naturally got involved in their communities and in, in the areas that they were passionate about. And the, through the foundation, we don't want to discourage that. In fact, we want to encourage that. But we did want to get a little more structure to uh, funds right. through mm-hmm. the foundation. Right. So we actually got input from our leaders and from employees across the country about what was important to them. That's how we came to these areas of focus. And since the middle market is the focus of RSM, it made sense to focus on the middle market in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you think about the future and the way that uh, the economy is evolving, the world is evolving, we're becoming increasingly global, it made sense to focus on the future of the middle market. So that's how we got to where we are today. We have a number of other initiatives as well. Uh, that enable our employees to get involved. But through the foundation, we also have a Dollars for Doers program so that if our employees uh, put in some sweat equity, if you will, Mm -hmm. volunteer in various um, activities in their local areas, communities, 
then they can apply for a grant so they can get financial support for those groups as well. Great. So, you know, when you're when you're talking about these, this focus on on children, mm-hmm. right, to, to raise and grow the next generation of, of business leaders, housing, education, health, these are huge areas. Yes. How do you focus your commitment and contribution to those, and how do you measure your success? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one of the largest ways that we focus um, our commitment on those areas is through the um, our involvement in the RSM Classic. It is a annual PGA Tour event that takes place at Sea Island, Georgia, and we work with the Davis Love Foundation on that. And we raise funds through that. Golf in general is has a huge focus on stewardship, which is part of the reason that we got involved in golf in the first place. That and the fact that we know that a lot of our middle market business leaders, clients, and prospects enjoy playing and watching the game of golf. So that was a natural connection for us. And then Davis Love himself, Davis Love III, is host of the event, and his the foundation that he manages uh, shared a lot of our um, same uh, focus areas. So do you financially support, does the funding then go to the foundation and, and they determine how to spend it? Or do you as a company sort of directly give to these different causes? So there is a, a combination of funds being raised through our employees, uh, through a what we call Birdies for Love. It's an annual competition we have within among our offices, friendly competition to see which office can raise the most funds. Mm-hmm for uh, a nonprofit in their area. So they're selecting nonprofits. Um, then the foundation also raises funds that they then, then distribute. And we have a number of organizations, both locally in the Georgia, Georgia area and nationally, that we support through Birdies for Love and through additional funds raised through the golf tournament each year. Excellent. And, oh, <laughs> and so when it comes to the measurement you know, when you have it, you're, you're giving out capital in sort of this diffuse way, right? Mm-hmm. The, all the different markets get to sort of, um, you know, determine where they're going to give the funding based on the broad sort of health housing, you know, focus. When you look year to year, how do you say we're getting more successful? You know, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so measurement is always a challenge when you talk about these types of things, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we um, know that it's having a positive impact on the communities through both anecdotal feedback mm-hmm. that we receive from the nonprofits and from our employees. I was just going to ask about whether mm-hmm. there's an employee, you know, ripple in impact. There in is absolutely a ripple effect there. Our employees uh, enjoy doing this. They enjoy the volunteer work. They enjoy raising funds. Um, they um, compete for leadership positions each year with the Birdies for Love contest. It's kind of a, a badge of honor, if you will, to be able to lead one of those initiatives. Uh, we also see uh, the numbers of volunteers. We have an annual volunteer day. Our employees are volunteering on an ongoing basis, but one day a year we really focus on it. And um, the number of employees and clients who get involved in these volunteer activities uh, each year increases. And the number of nonprofits that we're helping grows as well. So we know that it's making a positive impact for the community, but it's also having a positive ripple effect for our employees. Yeah, I mean, we know how important that is. A theme through some of these discussions really has been how much the employees want to feel that they're at a company that is doing things that matters, that cares about things more than just profit and, you know, getting the product out. And so I think that these kinds of activities really are part of what makes somebody say, yeah, I, you know, this is this is part of the reason I want to stay with this company and work with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, we think that that is very true. Um, and we're 
continuously getting feedback from our employees on what's important to them. One of the things that we just implemented last year, we celebrated our 90th anniversary. Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, what can we do to celebrate? And we thought of all the typical things, you know, have have a cake at each office, you know, do these types of things. Uh, But ultimately, we decided to implement this program that we called 9099, Pursue Your Passion. And through that program, we encouraged all of our employees to um, submit an idea, something that they would like to do if they were to be given $10,000. Oh, nice, nice. So we then selected nine employees. It was a, it was a uh, employee committee that, that made the selections, and the names were you know blacked out so no one knew who anyone was. And they truly selected the winner based on their stories. They, had a, they submitted 500-word essays. Um, and then we went through the selection process. Every single project that was selected, um, all nine of them, had some type of volunteerism or giving back uh, effort involved. Uh, we had uh, one employee go to Jamaica to take uh, mammograms to uh, 200 women in Jamaica. We had uh, uh, just a number of activities like that, but they were all focused on giving back to the community. That program was such a success that we decided to repeat that this year. So we now have nine employees pursuing their passions, um, and they are all focused on giving back either to individuals in their communities or to nonprofits. Yeah, and I, yeah I like the, the sort of crowdsourcing of the decision on mm-hmm. that, right, and, and supporting one of your fellow employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Village Capital's funding model where they right. have the entrepreneur sort of select the next investment. I'm curious how RSM thinks about the social impact to their employees. You just started to sort of head down that road with that example of an employee engagement opportunity for them to pursue their own social impact passions. But when it comes to, you know, health care and education and child care and different things, what does, you know, social impact look in, look like within the walls of RSM? So we have uh, a number of employee network groups. We have, I believe there are 11 of those. And these employee network groups are um, you know, employees self-identify which group or groups they want to belong mm-hmm. to based on what the uh, focus of those various groups is. Mm-hmm. So we have one uh, called STAR, S-T-A-R, which is focused primarily on women's issues. Okay. And it's not just women who belong, but they can self-identify. We have one named OLA, which is, is focused on Hispanic uh, issues and, and topics that are important to those, those uh, groups. So you self-identify, and then through those groups you have leadership opportunities mm-hmm. um, and you can lead various projects and initiatives. But um, again, this is, this is an employee led initiative and they are all engaging in uh, efforts to give back to the community as well. So it, it's really a part of our firm's culture and it's really um, employee led to a large extent. So what do you think that are, you know, cause I'm, I'm, thinking about our listeners who may be saying that that sounds great i can sort of see why it might be fun to do what are some of the challenges that that you think a company who is maybe trying to implement one of these programs might run into what do they what do they need to be aware of in order to make this a success well i think one of the challenges can be uh, these types of things always take more time and energy than you think that they will everything does (laughs) (laughs) um and um you know you have to have a certain amount of communication skills and organizational skills and then i think integration is very important as well. I mentioned the 11 uh, employee network groups. Um, So you can imagine 
imagine if each of them went off on, on their own and were, you know, trying to implement right. events uh, simultaneously. So we do have a project manager who kind of, you know, rides herd on that is kind of watching things and saying, okay, well, we've got this going on on this date. Maybe we should push this one out to this date. So um, integration, coordination, and communication, I think, are, are key. Yeah. And so, Sandy, when you're thinking about the kind of um, discussion we've had about mm-hmm. how people have co-created, what do, you, what do you think some of the challenges are? Oh, gosh, it's a great question. I mean, I think once you have those partnerships or even collaborations, you just have a num- you have more variables in play, right? Yeah. So do, do, do priority shift? Does funding shift? You know, you really have to have that alignment. And I think often folks enter those collaborations with sort of their um, their best selves in mind and, you know, optimum capacity and interest. And um, so it's, it's very important to be realistic, which is why I think we hear about so many, uh, you know, successful collaborations that are doing work that is so that is inherent and core to the business, because that's going to persist regardless of those environmental factors. Um, so, yeah, so I feel like that's that, that, I think, is the greatest challenge. Good old operations. Yep. <laughs> and Sandy's great at that. You know, and it's really interesting because one of the things that we see, and, and I'm thinking about you doing so much with your employees, we work with a lot of students who are going out and whether they're undergrads getting their, you know, their first real job or, or MBAs and, and, you know, progressing up the ladder. We are hearing more and more from our students who are interviewing the companies to say, and what do you do with mm-hmm. social impact? I want to no, I want to work with a company that makes me feel proud to be with it. You got to tell me what you do. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a very interesting shift on that case, right? To sort of say prove it to me. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And and I think it is something that is becoming increasingly important to those entering the workforce, regardless of age. Uh, you know, we there's a lot of talk about millennials and, and the way that they view life differently and, and the way that they view work differently. But I really think it's becoming increasingly important for everyone, mm-hmm. regardless of their date of birth. Well, yeah, and it, it makes sense. I mean, work is so large a part of our daily lives, mm-hmm. right, that you you want to be able to sort of not not hate hate what you're doing and really right. think that it, it matters and has meaning absolutely it does you're there for many hours a day generally speaking um and and i think it comes down to to culture you know there's a lot of talk in corporate america about cultural fits but um i think that that this is a big part of that fit uh and you know if personal i can speak personally i you know it, it Giving back to the community where I live and work is something very important to me personally. So I do appreciate the fact that I work for a firm who does that and shares that area of focus with me. Uh, if a company did not, I, I might would look at it differently if I were looking considering employment. Right. And so the final, it's the final question. Can you sort of give a little um, sense about where you think your, your next step might be in RSM, trying to find a better improvement on the social impact area? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're doing such um, exciting things right now with the foundation and entering into some partnerships with uh, various nonprofits. Um, that is an area that has my interest peaked right now. Uh, don't want to say too much about it right now, but um, I, that's I think a teaser. That that's, we'll have yeah. to we'll have to follow up and watch. I think that's going to be an exciting area. Great. Well, we've been talking with Terry D. Andrews, who's the National Public Relations Director of RSM. And now we'll talk to Tony Doy, who is the CEO of Girl Scouts of the USA. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very well. Thank you. So, you know, the, one of the advantages, you've got such brand recognition, we don't have to ask you to <laughs> tell us about the Girl Scouts. Everyone knows about the Girl Scouts. And, and it's, um, 
it's it's a great organization. I, I'm laughing because there's there's this restaurant by my house that we walk to. Sort of, it's like three blocks away, and it was a rainy evening, and it was getting dark, and there was a girl on the corner who had her stand Aww. with her boxes, and she was selling it, and you know, I at first we passed her, and then I went back, and I was like, okay, so tell me about, well, you know, why are you here? It's sort of rainy, and it's cold. She goes, because I want to I reach my goal. I want to, yep. you know, I want to sell the stuff. And so I bought like six boxes. <laughs> <laughs> but she was... And and she instead was, of going to dinner, that became dinner? No, no. We just sort of stacked it on. There, there was no dessert that night. Um, but I think that's part of this, this sort of what you think of the, the Girl Scouts. These are, these are girls who are really learning how to set goals, learn about business through, your, through the organization. Well, well exactly. Um, so many people think Girl Scouts is about selling cookies, but it's about the programmatic experience that yeah. girls get. Yeah. Um, whether it's uh, the confidence to ask, uh, persevere. Um, we have digital cookie now, which lear- which uh, girls learn e-commerce. They set their goals. They market. Oh, neat. And uh, that's part of the entrepreneurship uh, pillar that we have as well. So it really is about them learning as they do but they're also um, earning funds for the local troops and councils it's uh, it all stays local so when girls sell cookies it goes back into their leadership experience as they take back into their community excellent oh and i was going to ask cheryl, cheryl sort of i think accurately said everyone knows the girl scouts but um, i'm 15 years out from being girl scout 17 years out. i was just trying to do the math how has it changed? Yeah. You know, what might our list, the key question. What yes. might our listeners who, you know, were Girl Scouts themselves or troop leaders or, you know, yeah. who think they know the organization, would yeah. you agree that they still know it or has it has it evolved? Well, it's it's having to evolve. Okay. Um, as uh, generations of children and generations of parents change, the needs mm. change. Um, if you think of the volunteering side, um, you know, boomer parents, often only one works. And boomers are more inclined to do 200 hours um, voluntary service. Mm-hmm. Um, as we think of millennial uh, parents, often both work and uh, less inclined to do those sort mm-hmm. of hours in voluntary work. Then, then we look at what the girls need. And if we're to continue to improve the diversity gap, uh, if we continue to fuel civics, STEM, uh, particularly the gap with women in STEM roles, then we need to change the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So we're having to raise the bar on curriculum uh, and give girls real-life experience to test, try, fail in a safe space in some areas that are probably a little bit more complex than they were in the past. Mm-hmm. And as we think of K-12, through the older girls need quite some help there too. So we're having to modernise um, the curriculum so that it rolls right up and we can find volunteers that can do episodic volunteering. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we look into companies and how we do that. But what underlies all that is we have to modernise our infrastructure. Mm. Uh, it's no good sending out paper and emails anymore. Um, Mum or caregiver today does everything on a tablet or a phone. And um, we need to be able to offer that up as well, uh, whether it's collaboration with the troop and their volunteer, whether it's volunteer to volunteer, whether it's being able to download digital or video guidance on, on curriculum, uh, a digital resume, uh, and so on. So mm-hmm. we're, we're really having to think about how do we partner with technology companies and have them invest in us and leverage their capabilities to deliver a contemporary service. 
Yeah, and that's really interesting because, uh, um, you know, when you think about the Girl Scout badges, right, yeah. and that part of what you're moving towards is not just new badges that reflect the, the modern needs, yeah. But then understanding that is going to change all the technology mm-hmm. behind it. So that's an right. interesting Right, I'm wondering problem. how many of the badges on my sash in my memory box are still badges, or if they're well, totally obsolete and now it's like a coding badge, which I will have not earned. Well, there are editions. There are okay. um, <laughs> I guess some are obsolete, but um, it's more about editions, whether it's uh, robotics or astronomy. There's a robotics badge? I did not get a robotics badge. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot of STEM badges recently uh-huh. yeah. have been released. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, what has, when you know, We've been talking to organizations, I think, that have very specific slices of impact. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we make sugar. So, okay, it's really clear, you know, that we're looking at the farmers and the cane sugar and health. The Girl Scouts has just incredible breadth when you think about impact. It's impacting families. It's impacting the girls. It's impacting the communities they serve. You know, not an easy job uh, for you to sort of pick, you know, where you're going to focus and how to measure and report mm. on that and, you know, look at it over time. So how do you get to work on such a... a well, Excitingly daunting task. Well, our number one measurement is is girls. How many, <laughs> participation. How many, how many members? Okay. Participation. And, um, you know, over years, recent years, it has been declining, but that's flattened off now. And, um, you know, we're, we're pleased that we've been able to stem that, that decline. Um, of course, you need volunteers, of course, so sure. there's a parallel measure um, there. But one of the other interesting facts you might not know is there are 59 million living Girl Scout alone. What? And 59 million and they, and they may have only done one year uh-huh. but many of them have done more and gone mm-hmm. uh, right through to become a gold award scout uh, which is the highest award um, didn't make it oh. silver <laughs> uh, pretty good pretty good that's still a great award um, but the we need to find them we need to find them and, and um, we'll be announcing uh, early next year something mm-hmm. we're doing with a big contemporary IT player where they're going to help us uh, seek out, find, and, and have alum um, oh, great. self-identify. And we want well, them... you know where to find Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this is great because when you think about, you know, wanting to get involved and give back, you, know, you may have your university, but what do you do right. well, remotely, exactly. whereas Girl Scouts are everywhere. Well, we're you... talking, you know, three or $400, you can become a lifetime Girl Scout member. And if we can find um, a good number of our mm. alum to pay it forward, mm-hmm. uh, then we have the monies to invest in that infrastructure platform, deliver a better service, get more members. So really, um, you know, our target is to find ways to increase our revenues to do that. Well, and, and you hinted at this um, in earlier discussions. You know, so there's the, the changing of the, the culture and the, the climate, the technology development. One of the challenges a lot of volunteer organizations have is people have less time or perceive that they have less time. Yeah. And and. So may not be able to commit to volunteering. Is that a challenge you're, you find yourself facing as well? It's a challenge. We still, we still have you know, roughly enough volunteers to, to match our girls. But we, as I said, we do need to adjust for that episodic volunteering. So, um, you know, the, the analogy of a soccer or a football uh, manager that used to run a team, they would uh, recruit the, the kids, they'd get their health check, they'd fi- fill their papers, get their uniform and find out where to turn out of the weekend. Um, but the, the but the manager didn't actually know how to play soccer, mm-hmm. and, and we we're starting to have to think about that about how troops sure. are run now. We mm-hmm. need the caregiver to lead the group, but then we need to bring in the specialist. Maybe it's three Wednesdays in July to do financial literacy for two hours mm-hmm. at the local school, 
And, and we are, now we're looking at technology to do that volunteer match. Mm-hmm. How do we match the volunteers to the needs, which needs technology again? We don't yep. want to ask them to come and then not be able to manage the engagement. Right. Yep. So right. That's, that's very important. Well, and I think that that's, you know, I think that meets people where they are exactly. in this day and age, right? Like Perfect. if someone asked me to, do you have the time to be a troop leader? Nope. <laughs> like no one's learned to bake from me. Like there's, there's plenty of things I wouldn't be able to do well, but I could come in and do something well. You know, I could come in and teach about social impact right, for right. four Wednesdays for a couple hours or whatever the case might be. And that sounds manageable and that's a scope I can handle versus, you know, some of these larger, you know, unbound commitments. Um, so I think it sounds very, very exciting. Good. I'll, I'll be on the lookout. That's for sure. <laughs> Good. So what, what's what's next for you? I know you said some things you're not or hinting at. Yeah. But Candles, you- apparently. <laughs> we heard earlier. <laughs> can, you ta- can you talk a little bit about some of the work you may- might be doing with Curio? Oh, well, we're, we're looking at whether there's some joint branding or licensing uh-huh. or cause marketing opportunity where um, you know we could work together. They're a very uh, strong women organization, mm-hmm. um, majority women. Yep. Um, and uh, they support our mission. And, um, you know, we're always looking for partners that can help us uh, earn some licensing revenue, some cause marketing. Um, so that's one, that's one dimension. But, the, the, you know, the, the big goal for us is to find those uh, very major corporate partners uh, that can help us really shape this infrastructure so that, or, or reach uh, alum, as I mentioned, because that's really going to, you know, fuel the engine. Mm-hmm. And the bigger engine we have and the more contact we have, the more curios we can have that want to sell to our marketplace. Well, exactly. And that's what I think that part of it becomes, you know, if you can get that technology build that allows you to get all of the additional human resources, then you can really act on a lot of the goals and desires. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. So I'm thinking about the Girl Scout brand when you're talking about the sort of collaboration. And we are, you know, we're here at Wharton. We are cognizant of brand and sort of being stewards of something bigger than ourselves. And the Girl Scout brand certainly is so iconic and, you know, just recognized and solid. How do you have to think about that when you think about these collaborations and, uh, mm. you know, um, what the brand is out there well, standing for? I, I noticed this is one of the reasons across my mind. There's a lot more variety in sort of like nutritional options for Girl Scout cookies. Like I think there were gluten-free ones this year and low, sh- I don't know if sugar-free, but you were seeing a lot more diversity there when it comes to health. So how do you, guys, how do you think about that? Well, the, you know, the, the brand is very well known. An iconic yeah. brand, I think it's um, in, in one survey, it's like number two brand value. What's, what's number one? Uh, uh, goodwill. Oh, okay. And um, we... Um, we worry that um, it's great to be well-known, but relevance is more important. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we all jumped here straight to cookies, uh, both of you, in the conversation. And, <laughs> it's um, getting close to lunch. <laughs> and, and, We're only human. And, and that's very normal. And, and, and relevance is what it's all about yeah. and, and Girl Scout leadership. And we've sort of sub-branded G-I-R-L, go-getter, innovator, risk-taker, and leader. Mm-hmm. Ah. And, um, and, and that's really what we're, we're trying to push, that, that sort of sub-brand about what do we really stand for for girls? And, and the cookie business, as we said, is a means to an end, but it's also a part of a program. But mm-hmm. It's only a part mm-hmm. of the program. So the, we have to upgrade the brand, drive the relevance, and reach more parents so they understand that. Yeah, and that's an interesting challenge, right? Because you, you, you gotta. The cookies are so so visible, so important. But you want you want something to say cookies plus, you yes, know. And exactly. we want you to think about the plus while you're chewing on that cookie. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so Absolutely. that's the a branding challenge there. 
Yeah, excellent. So you talked a little bit about what's next for Girl Scouts. I'm always curious as the, you know, as history, you know, as things evolve, what's, what's you know, been once a part of the Girl Scouts experience that someone might know if they're part of it 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, that's no longer an important part of the experience? Oh, you know, you know Julie Gordon-Lowe started 105 years ago, this um, amazing organization, and where it started was around diversity and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it started around collaborative space, safe space for girls, hmm. a lot about outdoors, and that continues. Um, you know, the, at the core, uh, the beliefs, the principles, the tenets, um, Girl Scout law, they endure. And so really it's more about how we evolved and, and engaged and maintained those things, uh, not what have we lost. Yeah, I was just wondering if I could still recite it. I'll try. I'll try in the break. <laughs> I remember. Not going to embarrass yourself online. Exactly. I remember bits. Um, but yeah, off. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting stuff, and I'm excited to hear about the alumni aspect because I do That's think it's such a point in time experience for so many people, and there's nostalgia and there's fondness. There but then it's sort of quickly replaced by, you know, your high school. Mm-hmm. you know allegiances and brands and then and then you know college potentially so it's it's interesting it to is meet. amazing when we meet um we go to visit corporations and there'll be some women in in the group mm-hmm. and we uh ask them what who was girl scouts and and usually 50 to 70 percent yeah, the yeah. numbers are startling 76 percent of female senators are alum oh, alumni 52 percent of women serving in the house yep. of representatives Four out of the six female govern- current governors are alumni. So I've got one final question for you because we're coming to the end of the segment. So quickly and succinctly, you know, you are a nonprofit here. A lot of the companies here are, are businesses, mm-hmm. corporations, the kinds of things that you would be partnering with. What kind of bit of advice can you give those kinds of businesses and corporations about how to work with an organization like yours? Um, well, someone actually said in one of the sessions, you've got to understand a not-for-profit business is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I recently had a conversation around, um, you know, we can give you brand and marketing opportunities. It's, well, we actually need money. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, um, and then also, you know, the, we're, we're not allowed to promote. Not in the same way, right? Not in the Absolutely. same way. It, it would break tax laws, et cetera. So, um, you know, learn a little, ask a little, how can we best work with you? Don't assume we, we operate the same. This was a great learning for me. I came from the profit side after sort of 40 years. Yeah. And, um, and you're like, what? I took a bit of learning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, good. And I think the Girl Scouts are stronger because of that. So, Tony, thank you for joining us. So this is Dollars and Change. We're here at the CEO Connection Conference in Philadelphia, and we'll be right back. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.